Praise to the Lord of the frail and the ill who heals their afflictions to carry them till they leave this tired frame and to paradise fly, to never be sick and never to die. Fits my sermon pretty well. Lisa Bond is fond of saying, never waste a good pandemic. <laughs> and I think what she means by that is don't squander an opportunity during a time of crisis to rethink who you are and who you ought to be. And so the staff has been thinking about that. You heard me quote a church consultant who says that your church after this pandemic is not returning to a new normal, it's returning to a new reality. So we're trying to think about what that means, trying to uh, jettison what we don't need anymore and keep what we must keep. And to do that, we're looking at the, the blueprint for the Christian church and the Acts of the Apostles. This morning, uh, the creation of the office of deacon in chapter six. Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the 12 apostles called together the whole community and said it's not right that we should neglect the preaching of the word to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, devote ourselves to prayer and to preaching the word. And what they said pleased the whole community, and the community chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of disciples increased greatly. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the story I just read describes the creation of a new office in the early Christian church, the office of deacon, diakonos in Greek, which just means minister or servant. Deacons were responsible for serving the rudimentary needs of the faithful, waiting on tables, as the scripture says, feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, comforting the bereaved. This is the office Christine Hydes was ordained to last week in the United Methodist Church. Presbyterians have deacons. Roman Catholics have deacons. As a non-denominational church, Kenilworth Union does not have deacons I suppose the closest equivalent in our church is the Stephen ministers. And I probably shouldn't have to point this out, but I will, that they're called Stephen ministers because Stephen was the first deacon. One of the fundamental obligations of the Christian church is to take care of its own. We might call it inreach. Inreach is not all we do. There is an extroverted focus to the church. Peter, Peter, James, and John created the office of deacon so that they could focus outward on the world to grow the church, to bring good news to everybody. And then the deacons were sort of introverted, looking inside and caring for their own. Inreach is not all we do. Somebody said that the church exists for those who are not members of it yet. So, inreach is not all we do, but it's where we start. Because we join a community 
like this because we not only want to get, but also to give shelter and nurture to the broken and the bereaved, right? We come because it's safe here, yes? We come because there's no judgment here. We come because every last one of us knows that we're both loved and flawed. That's the beginning of the attainment of true humanity when we realize that we're not all that. We're not God's gift to the world. We need help. We're flawed but loved in this place. And so, when your husband disappears from the community and the neighborhood and work and family for a month, you can tell the church that he's in Arizona at a rehab facility getting treated for alcohol dependence. Because the church will keep your secret and will meet your pain with genuine sympathy rather than schadenfreude. We will take no pleasure in your suffering because we all know that we're loved and flawed in this place. This is not a club. This is not a competition. This is the place where, where we're more interested in your shelter and nurture than in our own. At my little August congregation in Northport, Michigan, there was a, a member of my community who needed dialysis treatment three times a week. This went on for seven years. It's a 45-minute drive from Northport, Michigan to Traverse City, the nearest dialysis treatment facility. And so people in my little congregation, my little chapel, would sign up to drive Phil to Traverse City three times a week for seven years. It's a 45-minute drive. It's a half a day, most of a day commitment. You drive 45 minutes to Traverse City, wait with Phil while he gets his dialysis, or maybe take a walk on Grand Traverse Bay, not an entirely unpleasant obligation. And then you drive back to Northport for 45 minutes. It's like a day or at least a half a day. People were waiting in line to drive Phil to Traverse City. They squabbled over the right to receive this sacred obligation. Happens here all the time, three times a week for seven years. The obligation to provide shelter and nurture to the broken and the bereaved is not limited to the Stephen ministers and to the pastors. We can all play our role here because we've all been broken by life, right? We've all needed this shelter and nurture at some point in our life because by the time you've reached the age of 30, life has battered you around enough and you've needed shelter and nurture from your friends in this place. And maybe that brokenness that you've experienced is the beginning of your equipage for treating another wounded person. Kate Bowler is a professor of church history at Duke University. When she was 35, the doctors told her she had stage four colon cancer. Kate has a young son. She says, it was a month or so into my grueling chemotherapy regimen when my favorite nurse sat down next to me at the cancer clinic and said softly, I've been meaning to tell you, I lost a baby. And Kate says the way she said baby with the softest touch made me understand that she had nurtured a spark of life in her body and had held that child in her arms and then somewhere along the way she had been forced to bury that piece of herself in the earth. And that's why she understood me. That's why she could smooth my frayed emotions and never pry into the details of my own is illness. 
She knew what it was like to keep marching long after the world had ended. If you know what it's like to keep marching long after the world has ended, maybe that's part of your sacred calling, to reach out to provide shelter and nurture to somebody else. Annie Lamott has a two-year-old friend named Olivia. Annie loves Olivia because Olivia laughs so hard at all of Annie's bad jokes. For instance, one time Annie points to her dog Sadie and says, with concern, isn't that the ugliest cat you've ever seen? <laughs> and Olivia practically loses her mind laughing. And so, when uh, Olivia is diagnosed at the age of two with cystic fibrosis, the family's world falls apart. But then also this circle of friends kicked in the stomach, moved with compassion, smothers that family like a coat of paint, she says. They gave all kinds of money. They watched the kids, they walked the dog, they cleaned the house. And as Annie watches this circle of friends engage like a well-oiled machine that makes her think of an Amish barn raising. You know how the whole community gathers together to raise the wall on an Amish barn? She says things are pretty terrible for that family in lots of ways most of the time, but at the same time, they got a miracle. It wasn't the kind of miracle that comes riding into town on a Macy's Thanksgiving Day float. And it certainly wasn't the miracle they wanted where God would reach down and touch their child with a magic wand and make her well. Now that may yet happen. I don't put anything past God because she's one crafty mother, but it hasn't happened yet. And yet they got a miracle. One of those dusty little red wagon miracles. We all know that the rains and wind will come. Oh God, they will come and they will be cold but we will come too. And we will have been building that Amish barn so that there will always be shelter. At my last church, one of my members was facing serious surgery. We weren't entirely sure he would ever make it. He was getting on in years, never married, no kids, no one else. And so Kathy went to the hospital to make sure there was somebody there to hold his hand when he emerged from anesthesia. But when she got to his room, she couldn't wedge herself in for love or money. They couldn't shoehorn another Presbyterian into that room. There was Louise, an 80-something opera aficionada. There was Judy Kelly, the Sally Smith of Greenwich ubiquitous as ever. And there was my friend John, 23 years old, just graduated from Stanford, where he'd been the fourth fastest freestyle swimmer in the NCAA. Six foot three. He spent a gap year before medical school serving as our youth minister. Six foot three, dangerously handsome, with one of those V-shaped bodies, you know, Broad at the shoulders, narrow at the waist. Could have been intimidating, but never was. So John was there yucking it up with Louise, the opera aficionada, probably not about Puccini and Verdi, while we waited for our friend to emerge from his ordeal. 
No one had checked with anybody else to make sure someone would be in that room. They just all showed up, unbidden, unexpected. It was all terribly inefficient. All of those people had somewhere else to be, and no one checked. They should have made sure that there was just a single representative of the church. But there they all were, deacons, everyone, in spirit, if not in name. What else do you need to know about the Christian church, the body of Christ in the world, long after Jesus himself has gone? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen.